have a very special guest to continue the interview series. Uh, I have Doug Horst with me today. Uh, in this podcast, my intention is to break it down to several shorter podcasts, uh, and I haven't done an interview for you guys in a while, and I'm very excited to share this guest in particular. Doug, thanks for coming over. Hey, you're welcome. I'm very excited. I've actually never been on a podcast before, so this is all new and exciting, and can't wait to do it. So thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Um, the first topic that I want to talk about today is redefining hard work. I, For those of you that don't know, I actually worked for Doug for a brief period of time after I graduated college. Uh, God did not bless me with the gift of being a good server, but I got to learn a lot and had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, Doug definitely has some inspirational and perspective-shifting uh, stories about hard work. And one of the concepts that's been going around in some of the creators I follow is this is what hard feels like, in quotes. And I think if you uh, listen to Doug's stories, you may not uh, feel so sorry for yourself on, on hard work. He's got some great stories to tell. And Doug, you were telling me that you started at 16 well, managing. Actually, actually, I started when I was 12 years old as a paper boy. Yeah. Uh, my I wanted extra money, so my parents didn't have money. I came from a middle-class uh, family. Uh, my dad worked hard. He drove a trip to Philly every day, uh, delivered eggs. He left at 12 in the midnight and didn't get home to 3 in the afternoon. So I learned hard work from my dad. I saw him work his butt off, and uh, he never complained. And he was a, a, I learned a lot from my dad. In fact, we just had Father's Day, and he, he made me the man I am today, and I, I give him all the credit for that. So when I was 12 years old, I decided to start a paper out. And I did a uh, the Lancaster New Era, which was an evening paper. That was about 50 to 60 people. And then I did the Sunday paper. That was uh, on Sunday mornings. And I did about 70 for that. Uh, I didn't get driven around. I had a bicycle with a basket on the front, the two baskets on the back. And I don't know if anybody remembers this, but the paperboys also used to wear a bag that you could fill up the front and the back. I would fill that up and, over, and they would overlap the baskets in the back. So I would go riding down the uh, road, and I'd be wobbling like, uh, you know, I could barely take, you know, barely do it. And uh, my mom was pretty strict. I had to have those Sunday morning papers delivered by 6 a.m. So when I was 12 years old, I was getting up at 4 a.m., and you had to stuff the comics into the paper. And uh, so you did that, and if it was rainy, you put them in a bag. If not, you did a rubber band. When you're done, your hands were all black from ink. But I did that, and there was times that I had to go around corners that weren't lit up, that had farms, that had dogs chase me. I'd be kicking them off. And, uh, but I always had it done by uh, 6 a.m., and uh, rain, rain, shine, snow, whatever. I was just like the postman. I, I was out there doing it. <laughs> At 12 years old, I had to collect money. You know, They made, uh, made us paper boys go knocking on the door every month and collect money, so I learned about people not answering the door, hiding from you. Uh, I learned how hard it was to collect money that people didn't want to pay. There was always people that did pay, but there was people that didn't want to pay. And if they didn't pay, it came out of my pay. So that was a rough, uh, rough beginning. I learned a lot. Some people were very picky. They wanted it between the doors. Some people wanted it in the mailbox. Some people, I got, I had a particular neighbor that, um, he didn't want you to ride in his yard. And of course I got tired of getting yelled at. So at Halloween, I planted corn in his yard. 
And uh, he didn't like that so much, but I don't know that he knew it, but that was my way of getting revenge. And I shouldn't have done that, but I was 12 years old, so, you know, give me some grace. So that was how I started the workforce. Well, my dad, I told you, uh, he worked hard. He was a, a truck driver and delivered eggs. And when I was a little kid, he used to take me on the, take me with him. And I loved going to Philly. Uh, my favorite place was called Cedar Farms. With a large distributor, I would compare it to like a Cisco or an Etline or a Feezers, if you know what that is. Maybe you don't. But uh, that had an old-fashioned uh, elevator that we would put the eggs in. You'd close the gate, push the button, go up. And to me, that was so much fun. <laughs> well, then later on, <clears throat> my grandpa had started a, uh My grandpa was also an entrepreneur. but He died when I was 15, so I didn't get to know him much, but... You know, he had an ice house when they he bought ice. He had an ice house. Uh, he had a McNess business. He started the uh, egg business. He would he started by driving from farm to farm, and he didn't have any money, so he would get a loan from the bank to pay for the eggs for one week, and he would buy the eggs and then sell them in Philly, pay the bank back. Then he would get another loan. He continued that, and that's how he grew his business. Wow! And so uh, I've heard about him, and he was a he he was also a volunteer preacher. Back in those days, uh, they didn't get paid. There was like four businessmen that volunteered to preach. They did it once a month. And uh, he was one of those guys. He was a hardworking man. He was an entrepreneur. And he was a preacher. So, Dougie, it sounds like the the food industry, you know, you're, you have some connection with your grandfather. And you said at 16, you started managing people and hiring and firing. Yeah, we did. I told you that off, off the air. But, yeah, that's quite the story, too. So my, my grandpa actually saw the business in Florida, and uh, they did it with cinder blocks. So they set up pits with cinder blocks every day. Can you imagine how heavy that is? You know, building a house is hard work. He built a house every day and took it down every day uh, to do the uh, uh, barbecue chicken. Another thing, he was a very godly man. He would not do any business on a Sunday. Really? And people would call him, and he'd say, listen, I can't talk to you, but call me uh, Monday at 1 a.m., and I can talk to you because it's not Sunday anymore. So he actually would not do any business on a Sunday. Yeah. Never. And uh, when I was in the restaurant business, I did that. But I needed to be open Sunday. Sundays was a big day for us. And I couldn't live up to that because we just could, we couldn't make it if we did that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the chicken barbecue business. My dad and his uh, brother Roy had a chicken barbecue business. And in fact, when I was in uh, high school, I took welding as a side thing, and I made a lot of the barbecue pits that we used, uh, which is kind of neat that I was able to make the equipment for my dad. Wow. But when I turned 16, my dad started double booking barbecue chickens. You know, he might have one in one. We did a lot of fire companies, and we didn't really do roadside stuff. It was always for somebody else to raise money. It wasn't us. Mm -hmm. My dad always got the chicken delivered fresh that morning from Ritter's. Uh, came on ice, they were, and he was very particular. They had to be one and a half to one and a quarter pound halves, and uh, we could get 40 chickens on a rack, and we could get like 80 legs and thighs on a rack. We also did baked potatoes. And to me, one of the most fun things was lighting the lighting the pits. Uh, we would put a whole bag of uh, King's, and my dad always bought uh, King's charcoal yeah. by the uh, uh, train car load. So we would get a truck, and we would buy it and unload and load that. That was a lot of hard work, too. Wow. But my favorite thing was you would put a bag in, you would open it up, and we would put gas in it, and we'd make a line, and you'd throw a match, and we'd go, foof, 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 foof. And then we would down through and light up all at once, and that was cool because you might see like 
20 bags late in a row. Yeah. You know, and, and you wouldn't have fuses, but the gas was the fuses. Yeah. But anyway, when I was 16, he started double booking uh, barbecues. And I probably started off by doing maybe 300 to 500 chickens and worked my way up to doing 2,000 chickens at a time. Wow. And this day started wow. early. We started like at 5.30 in the morning uh, to set up the pits and he did all that. We had to have chicken by 10 because they were they were already coming by 11. Usually did a half. I think back then it was like, I think it was like a dollar twenty-five for a half, and and then you could get a you could get a half a chicken, a baked potato, a bun, and a drink for three fifty. Oh my goodness! So that was the good old days. In fact, just recently there was a barbecue chicken, and I thought it was pretty good. They were only ten bucks, and it was for a half and a uh, a roll, no drink, and a and a uh, baked potato, and it brought back a lot of memories. That was just a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, so is that how you got started in the in the food service restaurant you know, industry? Probably. You know, I thought I was going to be a welder when I went really? to school. Well, I, I was a well. I went. To, I was a good welder. In fact, yeah. my goal was to be an underwater welder, and I was going to go to Virginia and fix boats. Wow! Uh, I was number two in my class. And uh, I liked welding. It was fun. I yeah. caught myself on fire a few times. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I learned Excel. Uh, I forget all the names. I won't get into it. There was MIG. There was TIG. There was uh, stick welding. And I learned them all. And, uh, you know, it was all, if you did made good beads and strong, you know, they recruited you. Yeah. So that's what I thought I was going to do. But I got hired when I was 15 to work in a restaurant as a dishwasher. And within two weeks, I worked my way up to a cook, and by the time I was 17, I was an assistant manager for Leola Family Restaurant. Oh, my goodness. And Wilmer Lapp, who's no longer alive, was one of my... I had three good mentors in my life. Yeah. Wilmer Lapp was the rest, my first guy. He trained me like a son. When I worked for Bird in Hand as a manager, there was a guy named Dale Weaver, who I didn't really respect much because he didn't know anything about the restaurant industry. He had come from Weaver's Chicken. And he was a budget guy. So I learned about budgets from him. Mm -hmm. And then when I met Leon Hoover, that's who actually uh, helped me get my own restaurant. Uh, and he's no longer living either. Uh, he had a kidney transplant and, you know, he was lasted 10 years. And he died almost 10 years to the day after a transplant. Wow. But he treated me like a son. And I learned about banks and dealing with banks and how to get loans and how to finance things from him. So I had the Wilmer Lab teach me about the restaurant industry. I had Dale Weaver teach me about budgets. And I had um, uh, Leon Hoover teach me about business with banks. So I had three really good mentors in my yeah. life. And I recommend uh, if you uh, need help, get a good mentor in your life. It's going to, whatever it is, whether it's something about religion, whether it's business, whatever it is, you know, get a mentor to help you get through life. And um, and I would say that that really helped me a lot uh, from there. But let's get back I, to the barbecue yeah, chicken. Yeah, I, wa I, I wanted to stop you and make a comment. It's, I run down know, bunny trails. A, a lot of, no, you're good. It's good stuff. A lot of business owners, I would say 75% of business owners are technicians, meaning they love to do the thing they're doing. That's right. You know, I love to cook. If you love to cook, then you know, you're know you in the right business by, by being in the restaurant business. But a lot, there's probably 20% of business owners that are maybe classified as the outlaw archetype, which means that they just can't work for somebody else, you know, general contractors. I could never work for anybody else anymore yeah. either. I just, I couldn't. I've been working for myself for so long, I, I could yeah. never do it. And then there are 5%, which are like the entrepreneurs, which are in the business of growing businesses and making money. They don't, they're not in love with the thing that they're doing. They look at it as like a means to an end. Um, and then you went through, you know, e each of those things. You went through the person that was 
the first mentor, which was the specialist of the and restaurant. Knew, yep, that's And the right. second mentor was the budget, yep. which was like, hey, you know, this is how you do the economics of working for and yourself. And that's very important. And I mean, the third mentor, which, you know, you said treat you like a son, was what I would call like the entrepreneur mentor, which was here's how money works from an well, institutional level. Let me, let me level. tell you about Leon Hoover. When I first yeah. met Leon Hoover, I visited his office and he had a, a bookcase behind him. And in each bookcase, he had a binder. And each binder was a business that he owned. And he had a lot of partners. So, like, some of the things were Mach 1, Mach 2. Well, Mach might stand it for the M was for one of the people, and A was for one. The H was for Hoover. Yeah. And the C was for Christensen. He was a lawyer in, uh, in Lebanon, a big prominent one. Yeah. And that's why they got a lot of deals, is because uh, Christensen knew what was going on. And so he had, I'll bet you there were 30 or 40 binders. And what wow. he did is he found people like me that could run a business. He would make them a partner, give them a good percentage, so they cared. They ran it like it was own, but then he made a lot of money, so he wasn't just making one business. He was collecting from 40 businesses. Yeah. Now, did they all successful? No. I remember he had a trucking business one time that failed, and he had to auction off the trucks. But he had Farmer Boy, which was the largest farm implement business in the world. Uh, wow. Right in Myerstown, PA. He had business in Chile, Denver, Colorado, and he sold his business for millions but the, co- the company he bought it, wanted to buy it, wanted to break it down, get rid of all the employees, yeah. and condense. So he decided that was no good, and he helped guys that were in his leadership buy it back. And then he rented them the buildings. And so he was a person that wanted to help people. He yeah. wasn't about himself. He was a he people was a, person. And here's another thing he taught me. He taught me a lot of sayings. But the one he says, if you help people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yeah. So he wasn't greedy. You know, and uh, when I, he first hired me, I said, hey, if I'm your boss, I said, I'm the boss. If employees come to you and they complain about me and you back them, I said, you don't need me. I said, I'm just a peon doing nothing. And he said, Doug, he goes, I agree with you. I'm going to give you enough rope that you can hang yourself. And I never hung myself. <laughs> and another thing he said was, and I, never, phrase. I never saw Leon mad, never saw him raise his voice. Yeah. And he used to say, once you raise your voice, Nobody's listening. So my problem is I get excited and I get loud. Well, there's a difference between but, but loud and, and angry. I angry. Totally and agree. I used to have a temper. If stuff didn't go my way, really? I let people know it. And <laughs> I learned over the years that it don't work. I don't want people to work out of fear. I want them to work because they believe in me, yeah. that I inspire them, and that they... Uh, they're motivated. So when I do something, when I ask them to do something, they want to do it for yeah. me. Not because I'm going to fire them, but because... I want to do this for Doug because he's a good guy. And, yeah. I, I want, and you know, I used to say when uh, Liam would ask me to do something like jump, I would say, well, how high on the way up? You know, I wouldn't even, I'd jump right away. I wouldn't even ask how high. I just, I would do it because I love Leon. He treated yeah. me like a son. I'm going to go back to barbecue and chicken. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Go, go you know, that. I said that we did uh, uh, 500, 2,000 chickens. I actually hired my own employees. When I was 16 years old, <laughs> we had a blue van that held all the equipment. It had a trailer that had more equipment. And uh, I don't know if you ever heard of three on the column, but it was a three-speed shift. I had a, uh, you know, a, a clutch, and uh, I had to drive this van, and I hated going up a hill. When I was up a hill, I had a stop sign with a, uh, or a red light, and I had a trailer. I hated it. My dad used to say I used to burn the clutch, so he used to get mad at me about that. <laughs> but anyway... I made, you know, this is, I'm, I'm six, 60 years old right now, and I was 16. I made five, 600 bucks a day. Now, we started at 5.30 in the morning, and we didn't get home to 8 o'clock at night. So You worked for that. We worked hard. You worked hard for that. And then I had employees, and I paid them 150, 200 bucks a day, and I might have had two of them. I didn't need many people. Yeah. So, you know, 
I learned back hard work pays, pay people good. They, I never had a problem getting employees. Whenever we did big jobs, we did big catering jobs, I paid people good. In fact, I made a lot less profit than I should have because I wanted to spread the wealth. Yeah. And uh, I remember one time, I, I'm getting off way off things, but one time <laughs> I had a job for uh, Mannheim Auto Auction. Yeah. And we had to make 20,000 chickens what for the? all their employees and things In like that. In one day? Yeah, one day. Jeez. And I hired all my friends, like, um, uh, you know, Bryce, uh, yeah, yeah. both his parents, uh, all kinds of friends, and I paid them each six hundred bucks a day for that. So they all made six hundred bucks, and uh, and actually I paid them five ninety nine because there was a, a yep. form that if you made over six hundred, you, you had to do taxes. Yeah. So I had paid them five hundred ninety nine dollars, and nobody had to get taxes taken out of it. So I knew I knew <laughs> to do that. They all appreciated that. So those are examples of how I learned to work hard as a kid. You know, from paper boy to uh, barbecue and chicken, and then when I got involved in restaurants. When I yeah, was, I wanted to ask you, Doug, like you, you were, were at a time, because I've known you for almost my whole life, where you would leave the house at 4 a.m. and get back to the house at 11 p.m., and you had a route where you'd go all over, seemingly all over creation. But. Well, there was a time when I remember Caleb had a friend sleepover, and I would be gone by 4.30 in the morning, and I'd get home to 11 at night, and he didn't think I lived there. He says, does Doug even live here? Where does Doug live? Oh, he lives here. He never saw me. Never saw me. I think he was there a week. Never saw me. In fact, there was times in my life where I helped open two different restaurants. And I always treat them like my own. That was another thing that helped me be successful is even though I wasn't the owner, I treated it like it was mine. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got loans from banks. That's how I got people to trust me because they said, well, this guy works his butt off for somebody else. What's he going to do for himself? Right. And I did for myself. I worked my butt off for myself, too. But anyway, there was times in my life that I worked Monday through Saturday 100 hours a week. Uh, that's that's leaving at 4.30 in the morning, getting home at 11 night. That's going on four hours sleep. And I did that for a year straight, twice. Uh, now, would I do wow. that again? No. Was it worth <laughs> it? No, because I missed a lot of my family. Yeah. I missed family vacations. I missed things that I can't get back. Right. So what I do now is, now I'm retired, and maybe I'm going to, who knows what the future is. I feel like I'm going to be Colonel Sanders, and I feel like I'm just starting a new life at 60, and I'm very excited That's about awesome. it. That's awesome. My goal right now is to be the best pop-pop and the best dad I can be. I want to be the best dad to my kids. I want to help them help them in any way I can, and I want to be the best pop-pop. I want, I want my grandkids to love me. I want them to know who I am. I want them to uh, remember me when I'm gone, and they do. Like My grandkids love me, and it's obvious. They call me and want to talk to me. They tell me things that their parents don't tell them. So <laughs> I'm just saying I, I, I am achieving that goal, but I put time in it. It's a purpose. Yeah, I'm not it's just hard work. I'm not just accidentally. In fact, <laughs> you, you don't act, stumble to being the world's best pop-up. Well, no, you you have to decide to be. Yeah, it. it's a choice. Just like uh, happiness is a choice. We can wake up every day and be miserable, and or we can choose to be happy. You know, there's one thing. I, another thing I learned is I can't control how anybody else acts. Mm -hmm. I can't control how you treat me, but guess what? I can control. I can control how I treat you. I can control what comes out of my mouth, and I can control. How I react to things and right. choose, choose to be. So I've learned along the life. Stoicism. I want to be a, a good guy. I want to be liked. And uh, I try to treat people like I want to be treated. But like my uh, my son, Caleb, he has a, a little boy named Michael, Michael Hunter. And uh, I think they named Hunter the middle name because I'm a hunter. And um, 
I babysat him since he's been three months old. I watched him three days a week, six hours a day. And uh, I've got a great relationship with my little grandson who's not even two yet. And he 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 misses me when he doesn't see me. Yeah. And he says, pop, pop this and pop, pop that. And there's nothing better when a grandchild grabs your hand and says, pop, pop, I want to show you this. Pop, pop, come look at this. Yeah. Or they draw your artwork or they do things for you. It makes me cry. I'm, I'm almost going to cry now thinking about it because it's, it's a great feeling and, and it's, you're leaving a legacy. And, uh, and I don't even realize what I'm doing sometimes, but I, I think I'm doing a good job of uh, helping to raise my... I don't want other people to raise my kids. You know, sometimes I understand people have to take their kids to daycare and I get that. But, you know, I don't want that. I want my kids to be raised by my family, that we teach them my values, our values, and that they learn things from us. So that's where I'm at on that. Well, I think uh, taking the lessons you learn from hard work and, you know, you, you say that, you know, you wouldn't do the 100 hours a week again. No, no, But no, no. then I hear – I talk to you today. You're like, oh, I've been up since 4.30 in the well, morning. So you're, you're doing hard work in a different way and now you're working for the family because, you, you know, it's a different, it's a different uh, set of rules but you're still applying the same values. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. You know, I can't really sleep more than four hours. You know, when we were on vacation, I'd be up at four making breakfast for everybody, and they're like, well, did you sleep? I said, yeah, I slept. Well, you were up. I said, well, I only need four hours. I said, I've been going four hours my whole life. Yeah. I said, if I sleep six or eight hours, I get lazy. I feel like I don't want to get out of bed. You know, I always believe that a body in motion stays in motion, and a body at rest wants to stay at rest. Do you ever wake up and feel sick and you say, oh, I feel sick today. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything today. And then you don't. Or you wake up and you say, you know, I don't feel good, but let's let's just take a shower and see how it goes. Next thing you know, yeah. you're, you're doing your normal thing and you don't even know you're sick. L- little wins like that. So that's a, those are big wins, actually, because yeah. you can stay home and be miserable or get up and make it happen. Yeah. I'd rather make it happen. Wow. Well, let's end this this part of the series on that quote right there. You can either choose to stay home and be miserable or get up and make it happen. That's right. Love that. Um, if you guys like this rant, guess what? There's going to be two more just like it, different topics uh, coming up. So stay tuned and share this with somebody that you want to have their perspective shifted on hard work.